everybody. You are listening to Hotter Than Health, the podcast. This is a podcast focusing on fitness, nutrition, and an overall healthy lifestyle. My name is Eliza Gellman, and I am so happy to have you here with me for today's episode. everyone. Thank you all for tuning into this week's episode of Hotter Than Health. I hope you all loved last week with Sadie Lincoln. Our conversation was fantastic. We talked all about reframing the way we think about fitness. We talked about intuitive movement. We talked about um, creating a community within the fitness world. And it just, we went everywhere and it was really refreshing to hear from someone who has been in so many different parts of the fitness world. So if you haven't gotten a chance to listen to that one yet, I highly recommend going to check it out. If you like that one, go ahead, leave us a review on iTunes so that we know. So a few things to note before we get into today's podcast. This episode is incredibly special to me and very powerful. I have mentioned this before, and if you're just new to the podcast, then you may not know, but in the past, we've definitely been more focused on interviews and knowledge and facts and science-based nutrition and things like that, and we're not going away from that by any means, but I do feel like in order to really create a community and create a more impactful presence in the podcast world, I do think it's important to share stories. So I'm just, I'm obsessed with storytellers. I've never been a good one. And anytime there's something impactful, I just want to share it with everybody. Um, getting into today's podcast, it's definitely something that I believe is going to impact people more than they realize, whether it is impacting them personally, whether they have noticed this shift or change or habit in a friend's loved ones, whether they just pick it up in in the media or in this day and age, specifically 2020, we go into alcohol and mommy alcohol culture, mommy wine culture. We go into COVID and how alcohol has played a large role this year. We really go deep. This is a longer episode, so I really hope that you enjoy this. Don't feel like you need to listen to the entire thing all at once. This is this is actually how I prefer the podcast is longer, more meaningful, more in-depth. I listen to people like Joe Rogan or Tim Ferriss or The Skinny Confidential and all of these people that I really idolize and I re- I recognize that the things that I love so much about these other podcasts is that the guests that they have on are there to tell a story and and the thing is, is that yes, this is a very, very specific topic, but we go everywhere with it and it can go into any facet of your life and it doesn't just have to be alcohol. I mean, this can be caffeine, this can be sleep, this can be any type of drugs, this can be, you know, something that resonated you for, with you from a long time ago or something that you're not even super aware of, but it, it will now be a more open conversation, I believe. Um And before we announce some of the uh, podcast sponsors and all that good stuff, I also just want to make sure that I say this, this podcast is everything to me and I want this to be a resource for not just nutrition and fitness and weight loss and health and muscle and facts about gut health and green juices and recipes. Those are all incredible. We are not going away from that, but I wanted to 
I want to make this a place where you can find some conversation or topic about anything, whether it is CBD for anxiety, whether it's therapy, whether it is uh, a CrossFit workout, whether it's body positivity and how to move with Pilates, whether it's skincare, you know, I want to go everywhere with this podcast. So I, I do think that we're starting to tap into that. With that being said, I'm so excited to announce this. And I, I talk to the podcast family more than I talk to my Instagram platform or anything like that. This one reaches more people and it just, it makes me so excited. I've decided that it is beneficial and it is more, I think, going to impact the audience and help to create more of a solid community where people are returning, they're coming back, they're asking questions, and they're constantly thinking of Hotter Than Health as a resource and as a brand that they can really look to for answers and guidance. Um, I've decided to start doing a mini episode every Monday. I haven't decided if it's every Monday or every Tuesday. I really want to do every Monday because I feel like it starts off the week with some knowledge and some levity. And if you've missed out on an episode, it's like a nice way to throw in some more knowledge to that. So I'm going to start doing two episodes per week. One is going to be a Q&A, um, whether it's about something specific, but I want to make sure that we're getting the nutrition and health and wholesome uh, or wellness side of things while also telling a story to back these things up. So I'm super excited to kind of really bring this full force, working on branding, working on making this a real resource and a real, a real brand, a a real, you know, I think resource is like the main word that I'm trying to think of, but it's just been such a huge game changer. And I I see it changing lives and I see people really connecting to this to this information and seeing this as a safe place to come for humor, to come for realness, to come for information and to learn some shit you've never heard before. And so I'm really excited to start with doing two episodes per week. Give me a couple weeks. I've got some trips coming up and I don't want it to be half-assed. So within the next month, we're going to start doing two episodes per week. I hope you're pumped for that. I'm pumped for it. It'll be like a mini episode, so maybe 20, 30 minutes, and then a longer episode with an interview and a story or just a longer solo episode. So as we go, um, you guys will be in the know about that. So make sure you're following me on Instagram at Eliza G underscore wellness. And also make sure you're following the Hotter Than Health Instagram. That's going to actually begin to cultivate a little bit more traction. I'm going to start to be a little more active on there with some new branding and some new content and some new ways to get more engagement. So I'm super just I'm thrilled about this and I do think it's like the natural next step the podcast is something I've been doing for three years and I just want to take up space and I know that this podcast has more to offer than I once it gets out there it's just gonna I think it's gonna explode so the best way for us to really start to promote the podcast is is the reviews it's the search engine optimization the SEO it's gonna be kind of from you guys and I ask every time it would mean so much if you all went on to iTunes and subscribed if you subscribe then you're not going to miss an episode you'll get you won't get notifications unless you sign up for them but it'll always pop up with the next episode coming up and it automatically downloads so the more you subscribe the better highly recommend subscribing um and writing a review 
that's amazing. I'm trying to get to a thousand reviews. I know that that seems lofty, but at this point we have like, you know, a hundred or so. And I'm like, what the fuck guys? We have so many people listening to this thing. Please go write a review. It means the world. And it truly, you're thinking, oh, well, like someone else will do it. You know, someone else will write a review for this episode. I'll do it on another one. Maybe I just like hate writing reviews. It takes two seconds. Go to your podcast app. It's a little purple app. You can swipe down on your iPhone, type in podcast, and it'll go to it. Um, Just scroll all the way down through the episodes, hit review and write one comma, one sentence. I don't care. Whatever it is, it is impactful. Every little bit freaking counts. I never say frick. Anyways, before we get into today's show, I'm you know that I am going to talk about this, but I actually have something new to say, which is really exciting. So Aura Organics, one of our show sponsors, I think that the reason why so many people have loved having this as a sponsor and why I've loved having it as a sponsor, because I feel like they've grown with the podcast. They, I, I constantly see different people using the code Eliza G15 for different protein powders, for different types of probiotics, for digestive enzymes. Now, here's two things that I'm going to talk about today is I've been drinking smoothies more and I think it's just because in Charleston it's getting really nice out and I've been seeing all these like really thick bomb ass smoothies on Instagram and I know hello I'm influenced but I uh, uh, cringe I just can't I don't like the way I said that anyways I've been using my aura organics in this smoothie and I've been using coconut chunks blueberries the energy bits tablet from the algae episode that we had a couple of weeks ago so check them out energy bits it's Eliza G for a discount. But anyways, I'll throw some of those chlorella spirulina tablets in there. I'll use my protein from Aura Organics, um, the vanilla kind this time. And then I do wild blueberries, a banana, ice, water. And when I use those like algae chlorella tablets, I don't necessarily need to use greens. So I just use a shit ton of fruit. I use mango in there right now. And I'm telling you by adding a tiny bit of sunflower butter and that coconut, It is so fatty and rich and dense, but I never feel bloated afterwards. I feel like it's so easy to digest, but I make it thick enough that I can kind of chew it. So highly recommend changing up your smoothie game and adding a little bit more variety in there, adding in some of that, those spirulina or chlorella tablets. It it will change the game. If you have questions about that, let me know. I'm going to link everything in the show notes so that everyone has these resources. Um, And so I want to make sure that you guys have this code Eliza G 15 for 15% off at checkout. If you've already used the code and it's not working for you, I highly recommend making another email address, using an old email address or using a friend's email address, getting that shit done, ship it to your work, ship it to wherever you need to get it shipped to so that you can get 15% off. It will change your life. Or if you wanted to go ahead and just subscribe to everything, that's what I do. I have probiotics on a subscription. They help with UTIs, yeast infections. They help with gut health. They help with regularity. The list goes on people. So make sure that you're taking your fucking probiotics. I don't need, like if you're not taking your probiotics and if you're not getting your greens, then don't come at me with gut health issues. Those are the first two measurable things you can do. Cool. So that's what I have to say about Aura Organics. The next thing. Okay. So in full transparency, y'all know I'm always, you know, oversharing on this podcast. I've been having a very anxious past few days. And I, again, and I say this often, I don't use that word lightly, but even yesterday I was like, I got to text my therapist. I've got to get an appointment. Morgan, if you're listening to this, she's been on the podcast before. Girl, I'm going to schedule a session. So 
anyways, um, I wanted to just mention that I have been using CBD a little bit more while I've also been cutting back a little bit on caffeine. So I've been doing a smaller cup of coffee in the morning. So um, I just honestly, I just pour a little bit less. And if I end up not pouring a little bit less, then I'll put more water and a little more creamer in there so that it's a little bit lighter. And I also am just not consuming as much caffeine. So there's that. And I wanted to make sure that you guys knew of some really good CBD brands to be using. There are so many out there right now and we're flooded with information. We're overwhelmed with all of the options, but really the main thing you want to look at is are they using organic ingredients and are they are they third-party testing? Are they giving you the data? Are they giving you the facts of, hey, this is where it's been tested. This is why it's potent. This is why it's working. Um, and the thing about CBD is you really do want to use it more often and then you'll feel the benefits more, which doesn't seem right, but you start to build something up in your brain. I really don't know what it is, but you know, I'm, I'm honestly not, I'm not a pro with this, but all I know is that this shit is working for me. So I'll take a little bit of CBD, put it under my tongue before I go to bed and it helps me sleep a little bit more soundly. And I notice that when I wake up in the middle of the night, I'm not automatically thinking about a ton of things. I'm not automatically going towards like an anxious place of what do I have to do all these different things. And I'm just, I'm still tired when I wake up in the middle of the night. So less sleep anxiety with that. If I have ever had any, it's kind of, it's dwindled right now. And then I also put it in, if I have a cup of coffee, I've been doing CBD in the coffee. And I don't know if it's, it's definitely not a placebo, but it's one of those things where I don't notice necessarily if I take it, but I fucking notice if I don't take it. So make sure you check out CB Distillery. CB Distillery, they are a online CBD company. I recommend checking out their Relax oil. I'll link it in the show notes, but CB Distillery, use my code Eliza G15 for 15% off at checkout. You don't need to be going to all these apothecaries and random like skincare places where they're selling all this CBD. It's not about like how the branding looks in this situation. I really think that this is a really vital form of self-care to help to calm your nerves, to help put you more in that parasympathetic parasympathetic state so that you're not just always in this fight or flight state. You're in this rest and digest way and you can be more creative. You can be more calm. It's not addictive and this isn't habit forming. So make sure you check them out. CB Distillery Eliza G15 for 15% off at checkout. Get the sleepy oil and the daytime relax and reset oil. I'm sorry, relax and recover. Something R&R I don't fucking know, but you will love it. Put it in your coffee, put it in your tea, put it on your dog's food if they're freaking out and they have anxiety and pee all over the floor when you walk in the room. Like, you know what to do. Put the shit anywhere. Okay, so it's time. We're going to get into this conversation full transparency. I was approached to do this interview, and this is actually with my aunt. Her name is Carrie Boyd, and she is so raw and open and vulnerable. And she was definitely, she she was nervous to do this, but she knew that as nervous as she may be to put this out there in the world, she knew it was so important to tell her story so that at least one person is impacted. And that's what she wanted to really drive home. She was like, if one person is impacted by this, 
life will be better. And I just put up an Instagram questionnaire today because I'm genuinely curious as how people's identity and how people's thoughts of alcohol and habits and observations have changed or shifted or grown or gotten better maybe over 2020. Some people have learned really leaned into not drinking much at all. Some people have leaned into drinking a little bit more. Some people don't even realize that they have. Some people have been observing it. And some people may haven't maybe maybe weren't affected at all. But we hear this all the time in the media. So many media companies and brands are they're using nostalgia as a way to sell alcohol and I totally get that like they're there to make money and this is a very vulnerable time like strike while the iron is hot if you're trying to make money but at the end of the day our society is very much based around alcohol and I I'm going to share a number of different resources and I say that throughout the episode I am not a professional I am not giving Carrie and I are both not giving medical advice here we are simply sharing a story that I believe is going to resonate with so many women on here. We talk a lot about motherhood and how it's challenging and the challenges there. We talk about being a partner. We talk about being a friend. We talk about living life as this subpar person and you don't even realize it. And I think that the the big thing that I didn't even realize while we were talking as much, but looking back, I realized that this story is so impactful because it was, it is the biggest thing that's ever happened in Carrie's life and in so many people's lives, but it was never, there wasn't the typical trauma that was happening. This is something that she was still carrying on with a normal life. So it seemed while she was struggling with something that was eating her up inside. And so I want to humanize the fact that no trauma looks the same. And no story is, or you know, no struggle is unheard or unseen or unvalid. And again, I'm going to put so many resources in the show notes because I think it's that important. I don't feel like I have the resources personally to help anyone navigate this. But I hope that if this resonates with you at all, that you share this with someone who it could affect, that you are open to hearing what's been going on in other people's lives so that you can even be empathetic if this has been a struggle for someone. So without further ado, we're going to get into this beautiful and honest, heartfelt interview with Carrie Boyd. I hope you will enjoy it and I hope you take the time to listen and absorb and learn. All right, let's get into today's episode. First met you when you were Eleanor's age. Isn't that crazy? It's weird. That's really wild. I was 25. Wow. Well, you guys, thank you so much for tuning in this week. This is a very special episode. This is, I guess it's the second time I've ever had a family member on the podcast. First one was Alexa in wine country. And I had no idea what the fuck I was doing with the podcast. (laughs) And we were outside just... I think both of us sharing one microphone, <laughs> sitting on a stool, st- sharing a stool too. Um, 
eight bottles of rosé down. But you guys were sitting in Charleston. I'm with my beautiful Aunt Carrie Boyd. Hi. Or we just got coffee at Rise, which is downtown in Charleston. And if you guys are familiar with Charleston, we're looking at Basic Kitchen. We're in a beautiful room. So serene. I don't think Carrie and I have ever had, I don't think you've ever had a chance, we've never had a chance to just sit and talk and. Not with a million people around, without yeah. a million people around. Mm-hmm. And this is a very different time. You're a totally different person. And just to paint the picture for you all, I've known Carrie for, what, 15 years? 16, 16 years. 17, yeah. Um, so Carrie is my mom's brother's my uncle's wife but I've never thought of you like that you've always just been an aunt to me a friend to me and over the past few years there's been a huge shift in you and we're going to get into Carrie's story Um, but I do just want to go into this podcast episode letting everyone know that we do not we're not here to give medical advice. We're not here to push anyone in any certain direction. We are just here to share a story that is hopefully and I mean, absolutely going to resonate with some people here. And it's an intense story. There are intense moments. There's also a lot of bright light with it. And for anyone listening who feels called to take an action or you've observed something of someone else that you feel called to reach out to them with, we're going to provide resources to this. Because that's what we want to be able to do is actually give some actionable, movable, um, you know, ways to move the needle a little bit in your own life or help someone else in theirs or just be there for someone and just kind of keep your eyes and ears open. So I'm going to really just give you the mic here, Carrie. So if you could just just introduce yourself and tell us about you and we want to hear your story. Yeah, absolutely. So first of all, thank you so much for having me here. I've been so excited to to come on and share the story. A little bit of nervous uh, nervousness here. Um, you know, you've been sharing some stories of other people. And, you know, this is not just about health and exercise. It's about a whole mental well-being. And I reached out to you, what, like a couple months ago, a month or two ago, and just said, yeah. You know, I feel like, especially now, you know, in the height, now that the height of COVID is hopefully over, um, that my story would probably benefit at least one person <laughs> um, to share my story. So just kind of getting into it, um, I'm 41 years old. I live in Charlotte. Um, I'm a working mother. Uh, I have two awesome children. I have a daughter who's 11 and a son who's 7. And, and they're supermodels. I'm serious. They're, <laughs> the most they're awesome. Beautiful children. They're so dang awesome. Um, and I have the most supportive husband in the world. He is a saint. Um, I'm so happy that he has stuck with me through through all of this. But I just say all of this really because looking on the outside at me, I you know get up every morning at 6 a.m. and go to the gym. I literally work out every day. I eat very healthy. I always have been very conscious about what I put into my body. And so clean, not just, not just the typical healthy, but you're so intentionally clean. You're, yeah. I mean, it's admirable. Like 
I've, and I've, I've been like that for a really long time. Um, and especially during the height of everything, I was running 20, 30, 40 miles a week. Um, you know, at one point during the height of my drinking, I did 16 races in one year and with two triathlons. They were tri sprints, but whatever, I did it. <laughs> um, so, you know, just looking at me on the outside, it looks like I got my shit together. But for the longest time, I had a really big secret that no one knew, not even my husband. And shame kept me in it. Shame and feeling alone, like I was the only person in the entire world that that had this secret. Um, so basically, I had have an alcohol misuse disorder. Um, I don't identify as an alcoholic. I just don't. I, you know, some people, some people do, some people don't, but I don't necessarily identify as a, as an alcoholic. Um, but so I'll just kind of start back to when I was young, um, just growing up. Um, I have an identical twin sister. We were extremely close. Um, but in my family, the dynamic was, um, I mean, I had a loving, loving family, mom and dad and, um, very present, very, yeah, very present. Um, you know, I was always very active into sports. Um, but I never really learned to express my feelings, the feelings that were bad. I had, it wasn't, my parents didn't sit down and tell me like, you can't have these bad feelings. Like it wasn't anything like that. It was just, you know, if I did, it was just kind of like buck up, put your big burl panties on and, and deal with it. And so I always viewed, you know, being vulnerable or, you know, having these feelings and expressing them as weakness. And I saw people that did express their feelings that way. And I thought that they were weak I felt like people who went to therapy were weak mm-hmm. is that so backwards isn't that crazy it's so uh, it's so crazy but also it sounds like a defense mechanism oh yeah de- definitely raised um, around very masculine energy not, yeah not just oh. from a man but just in a a masculine environment yeah. not a lot of opportunity to soften right I mean I grew up I mean I played basketball from when I was very young and volleyball and I ran track and I did every sport and I just I don't know I just had this tough persona and you're six feet tall five ten but I'm thanks. sorry you're five <laughs> you're six feet tall to me you're six feet tall. Heels. so there's you guys if you yeah. just let's set the stage here again you mentioned you know you wanted to set the scene you have two amazing children a husband a job a career you exercise you eat healthy all these good things you know you haven't lost your job you haven't we'll get into all these things but these are two identical twins, glacier blue eyes, tall, six feet tall, blonde athletes, unstoppable, literally looks like the picture of perfection. And that's what I, that's how it was brought to me. I heard my, my uncle, I was like, wow, he's dating this Laker. She's (laughs) blonde, (laughs) stunning and all these supermodel. So it's, it's why it's, so keep going. Yeah, yeah. I just had to set a scene. So, you know, just so so growing up again, my, my parents were um, separated when I was um, in eighth grade and I kind of became like the caretaker, like I controlled and helped her feelings. And, you know, I was a people pleaser. I wanted my mom to be happy. And so I swallowed my feelings. 
and I didn't talk to those about anyone. And I helped my mom, you know, with her feelings going through, um, you know, the separation and just, I, I don't know, I just got hard. Um, I've, you did, you got hard. I, yeah, I got, yeah. Okay. Um, I was a perfectionist. I've always been a perfectionist. Um, I mean, I can remember like growing up and like playing basketball and stuff. If I would mess up, oh my God, I would take it out of myself. So, you know, I just, I did not mess up. I wanted to be perfect. And the more perfect I felt like I could be, the prouder my parents would be of me, you know? So I just like led this, you know, I was a rule follower, Um, but again, I never expressed these feelings. So fast forward. So, okay. So in high school, most people went out and drank and, you know, partied and everything. I didn't, I, I was too scared to, I didn't want to break the rules. What do you mean scared to, do you think that you were just like, it's the shame thing. You didn't want to be, I felt like people, like the kids that like drank were, I don't know. I just, it just wasn't what I did. Did your friends not drink? Or were you, mm-hmm. were you in a group that didn't Oh, drink? yeah. Yeah, they drank. They they did experimented with drugs. And <laughs> I don't know. I just did it. I was yeah. just a good girl. You know, I'm like the basketball player. And I, yeah. I drank twice in high school. Two times. What was that like? Yeah. So the, fir- <laughs> <laughs> the first time I ever drank, I probably should have died. Um, I was 16. I was at Pfeiffer, which is this tiny little college tiny. in the middle of nowhere in Meisenheimer, North Carolina. And um, I was with my sister. She was like, I, she was dating a guy that was on the soccer team and we were with the soccer team. And this um, British guy like sat down beside me and he's like, you want to do shots of gin? I mean, I, I will never forget that line. And I'm like, shots of gin. Sure. You're I don't like, know what I'll that do means. Anything. I love your accent. I don't know what that means, but Sure. Liza, I did six shots of gin. I'm 16 years old. I've never drank in my life. And I drank six shots of gin and like a bottle of Boone's Farm. I don't know if Boone's Farm was. Boone's Farm? Okay, I didn't think it was in your age group. So back in the 90s, Boone's Farm, it was like this really cheap, like fruity, I don't know why. It wasn't a wine. It was just like. Like some malt liquor. Ish, I think, if but like Bo- like Boone's Farm and Zima, those were really popular back in the '90s when I was <laughs> coming up. But um, I I blacked out. So the very first time I ever drank, I blacked out. I woke up and I had throw up in my hair. I should have died. Like I literally should, and it scares the shit out of me for when my kids get older. Like I didn't know that six shots of I don't know. I I I didn't know. Can I say something just to also say that it's so crazy to hear that because when I was in high school I started I started drinking dad listens to this he would find wine bottles that my friends and I would sneak or you know shoulder tap to get wine from people at gas stations when I was (laughs) 14 15 and then in high school we would have I mean our high school parties I haven't seen grown adults party like that in my life. We would be drinking full bottles of Burnett's every night. There would be random drugs at these parties. I thought that was normal. So it just goes to show that it there was such a spectrum of partying in high school. That is 
so wild to me because I'm like, oh my God, that's happened to me so many times. And then oh. I, maybe I need, to re- <laughs> I need to reevaluate. Yeah, that was just, I mean, so that was the very first time I ever drank. And then the second time I drank uh, was like my prom, I think, in my junior year. And that was it. Even when I went to college and I joined a sorority, um, I don't know. I just wasn't, I was always like sober driver. I just didn't like it. I didn't like the taste. I didn't like the taste of liquor. I hated vodka. It was probably because we were drinking really shitty vodka too. The fucking Or worst. shitty like natty light beer or whatever. I hated beer that my boyfriend at the time um, like was a big beer drinker. And I remember he used to always drink natty light. Cause I mean. It was what he could, you know, get. So I just, I wasn't a drinker. I just, I just didn't like it. I was totally a take it or leave it and more leave it. Um, And I just never did. Well, so kind of getting back into the whole feelings thing. So I dated, I've, I dated this guy. I started dating him in high school and we dated all through college. And so we were together for like five years and my senior year of college, um, we broke up and it was devastating to me. And I did not know how to hide or how to, process those feelings at all I didn't want to talk about it I didn't want to talk about it to my sister or to my friends just because I didn't want to feel like I was weak I just wanted to brush it off and be like yeah whatever you know I just why'd you break up um we had just been together for so long I mean that's mm-hmm. a whole nother story there but um yeah. we had been together for so long I really just wanted to date other people and see what it was like to date other people because we had talked about yeah. getting married and we had been together since we were 16 we were like 21 22 whatever and um so I broke up I was the one who broke it off and so um but it was hard it was hard to process it it was really hard and I remember the day we broke up it was on a weekend and all my roommates like my sister was out partying or whatever and all my roommates were gone and my roommate was leaving, had just left for home, but she always baked. She was a big baker. She always cooked for us. She was awesome. And she had made a key lime pie and she left it on the table. And I walked in after the breakup and I'm really upset. And there's a key lime pie and she's like, has a note. And she's like, enjoy this. I'm gone for the weekend or whatever. And so I was like, oh, um, okay. So I got a fork and like a cut a little piece and it was so good. And I ate the entire pie. Mm-hmm. And probably without even thinking about it. I like you just I was, yeah. And I felt so sick. And I made myself throw up. And it felt so good. It was like my feelings were coming out. And then, so that started my really long Long, like my long journey, whatever, of I was bulimic and anorexic. I didn't eat at but all. But when you did it? But when I did, I would throw up. I would eat everything. I would eat anything I could get my hands on. And nobody knew? No one knew. No one knew. I would go into the bathroom. Oh, God. <laughs> I would go into the bathroom and turn the fan on, and we had like a like a radio, like a CD boom box, jam box. I don't even know what you call it. Uh, <laughs> I was like stereo, so dating myself. Um, and I would play Neil Young. Neil Young. Interesting. Why? Neil, there was a song and I can't even think of the song. 
of Neil Young. I mean, I, I wish He's I could be helpful. He's the one that sings like that, right? <laughs> right? That's Neil Young, right? <laughs> okay. I don't know. I don't know. Okay. I'm thinking Neil Young. So Diamond. anyway, so I would I would put that on and I would blast it. And to this day, every time I hear that song, this is what it makes me think of. So I, wow. so, you know, I'm tall. I got down to like 105 pounds, maybe. Y'all picture, that is honestly, that's the weight of a 13, 14 year old. Not someone who's five yeah. ten five, you know, athlete in college. Yeah. Oh my gosh, nobody yeah, recognized I, that when you were a hundred. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. People definitely did, but I was like, I don't have a problem. Well, so some other things had happened. Like I, I started dating another guy, and um, his best friend committed suicide, like basically in front of our eyes. He had been, uh, ironically, it was his twenty first birthday. He was drunk, and his girlfriend was threatening to leave him, and. He, this is awful. And he grabbed a knife and he stabbed himself in his heart. And we were there. And so I was like processing that as well. What? So processing. You saw this happen? Well, it wasn't. So he, we had been with him and then he went home and then his, his girlfriend didn't know how to get to the hospital. So she like came over to the apartment where we were and we went to the ER and we were there with him like in the. Yeah. He. Oh, my God. Yeah. So so I'm processing all of this. So like this breakup of five years and then dating this other guy. And like so it was just oh, my God, it was just a lot. And the bulimia got like, you know, sometimes it would only happen like maybe once every three or four days. But then it started. I was doing it like two or three times a day. Like it was bad. But that Just was how I was processing my feelings because I wasn't talking about it. Um, 9-11 happened and that woke me up and I snapped out of it. Really? Yeah, which is weird. So you just cold turkey stopped yeah. having an eating... I'm sorry, stopped throwing up after meals. Where Did you eat normally after that? No, I did not. So you just stopped the physical purging? Yeah. I mean, it continued on for like every once in a while. When, like when I would get really upset, it would happen. But eventually, like after 9-11 happened, I don't know, it just, 9-11 was so traumatic. So, wow. So I graduate, so I'm going to move on this because this isn't about, but, but my point really in saying this is that a staggering statistic, and I didn't know this, my therapist told me that the majority of people that have women that have alcohol misuse, the majority have had an eating disorder. When I first saw my therapist, she immediately asked me that. And I was like, yeah, she goes, okay. Most of you do. And I was like, oh, my God. I had no idea. Um, so I graduate. I moved to Charlotte. Still drinking. Now, Now at this point, I was drinking, but not that much. It was definitely still, again, take it or leave it. Less than a college person on average. Yeah. But when I did drink, it was always a binge drink. Like, I could never have, like, one glass of wine It was or whatever I was drinking. I would drink a ton. Um, and, you know, it wasn't. I had all these rules like I never drank on Sundays I only drank on Fridays and Saturdays because I had to be fresh for work and you know just be really fresh um and then I met my husband when I was 25 you know normal going out drinking you know not drinking during the week I was never one to drink during the week like just I just didn't um and then in 2010 I had my daughter still not a big drinker I would still drink but not yeah, you would drink at family events and right at that not. point it was still definitely a social like a social aspect. Then I had my son, 
in 2013. And after I finished breastfeeding him, I breastfed him for a year, both my kids for a year. And I knew I wasn't having any kids. It was like, okay, it's time to like, yeah, it's time to get my body back, you know, everything. And so at that time, Elliot was traveling a lot with work. And so, you know, Eleanor was four, five, Jama was one. Elliot was gone all the time. I'm working full time. I'm like trying to, you know, keep everything perfect, make sure that the children are eating, you know, good food. Because you're still having that perfectionist complex during all of this as well. Oh my God. Like, yes. I had to be, I had to work out. I wanted my body back. I wanted to be, you know, thin. I had, you know, just everything I wanted to be like perfect. And this is the time, this is right around the time that Pinterest started getting really popular and social media for that matter. Social media started. And so you see like the pictures of perfection, quote, families and I'm a clean freak. I might, my house always had to be, has to be clean, even till this day. You always have but had a clean yeah, home. Yeah. Yeah. But that's also, that's within me. That's like trying to control my environment so I can control my feelings. Yeah. <laughs> I've learned this through my therapist, um, who was a godsend, by the way. Um, and so it's probably right around the, that time that the drinking started creeping up. Mm-hmm. And it started, God, I've had such a crappy day. Like, pick up the kids from school, from daycare, you know, come home. I've got to unpack lunches and repack lunches and, you know, make dinner and clean, you know, clean up the kitchen and, you know, get ready, you know, and my husband's gone. Your other doing, full-time job, basically. Right, it, right exactly. And, and listen, I'm not trying to say like, I, my kids are my life. I 100%, you know, they're, they're amazing, but it's hard. It's really hard being a working mother. Um, it's hard being a mother working or not working, whatever it's, it's, it's hard. And it was also right around this time that like mommy wine culture started coming to the forefront. Okay, define that. I had never even heard that term until a month ago. So basically, mommy wine culture is parenting is hard. You deserve a reward. Or parenting is hard. Like, you need to drink to, like, get through it. And, you know, leaning on alcohol as a crutch to get through motherhood. Um, And there are so many, like, memes and T-shirts and wine glasses. Like, mommy's sippy cup. And it's in a, you know, a wine glass or mommy's happy juice. Right. The worst one that I've seen is a onesie that says, I'm the reason mommy drinks. Oh my God. How awful is that? But also, and it also, it's like, we're in this day and age where you, everything is, it's a very hypersensitive day and age we live in. However, it's all tongue in cheek. Like all of that is total tongue in cheek. But it means something. Right. But it means something. And it's it's more a matter of being able to recognize that and and seeing some things like that might give people pause for a second, but then it will also maybe it gives them a permission slip to keep doing exactly yes. what they're doing. And that's the whole issue. 
Yeah, that's the whole thing. The whole validation of maybe I'm not that bad. So it's so so there's all these so this uh, like perfect storm stuff going on. So there's the mommy wine culture that's saying like motherhood is so hard. Of course you deserve to drink. Of course, you know, it's there and then um, you know, to me trying to be a perfectionist and, you know, just have everything look, feel, the, you know, everything is perfect. Meanwhile, in my head, I am just, I'm a mess. And plus I have all the mental labor and moms out there will know exactly what I'm talking about with the mental labor. And it has nothing, I'm not saying anything bad about my husband or any husbands or any dad, whatever, but we carry the brunt. Moms, I mean, we do. it's a different job. We, moms. 100%. We are the ones who make the doctor's appointments. We take the kids to the doctor. Uh, no, does Elliot do that? One, yeah, d- definitely. Totally. But, but there's a different mommy instinct. Yes. We, yes. It's, and that, that comes with... It, it's a blessing and a curse, I believe. I'm right. not a mother. Mm-hmm. But there's something about a mom. There's something right. about a dad, too. But we're talking about moms. I, I mean, I've had this conversation with countless friends that I know. And that we all say the exact same thing. And it's not because our, I mean, our husbands aren't deadbeats. But no, they just don't amazing. know. They just don't know like the stuff that we know. Like, oh my gosh, your your toes are crumpled up in your shoes. You need new shoes, or you need clothes for summer. We have because every every season you have to go buy new clothes because they grow like weeds. Um, or you know, just just all like, oh, you need scissors for school, or oh, it's a bake, you know, a bake sale at school, you know. And I fell into this of like trying to bake, do everything myself, like make everything myself instead of you know, being smart and going to, you know, Panera or whatever. But so we have all this mental labor in our head and it's just a lot. And the drinking numbs you out. So I've had a hard day. The kids are being crazy. They're just going, the wine, like the second I would pour that glass of wine, it's like, yes. Even before you drink it, it was oh, just totally it just the thought of it just like the, so I would just like move every day just to get to five o'clock just to pour that glass of wine and what happened was I would open the bottle and I'm a red wine drinker like that's my thing like 100% red wine drinker and it just it was a slow it was a slow burn like getting up to this point but I would um open the bottle five o'clock, pour a glass. I work from home, so I'm, <laughs> the commute is short. Um, so pour, pour the glass of wine, have a glass of wine while I was making dinner, doing lunches, have another glass while I ate dinner, and then pour another glass, go upstairs, get the kids in the bath, ready for bed, and then come downstairs and have the fourth glass, and there's a bottle right there, and then open another bottle. And I didn't realize that I was doing this. I, I really, I didn't. Because um, it's like almost a passive activity while you're yeah. doing other things too. Yeah. Yeah. And it was shortly after your mom was diagnosed with cancer, which was August 16, mm-hmm. right? August 2016. I like woke up hungover like I did every single morning. And I'm like, oh my God. And I just had this realization like, oh, oh, oh my God, I have been drinking a bottle of wine at least every night for how long? And I tried to like think back to how long it had been and I could not remember. 
And that was the first time, that was my first aha moment of, holy crap, I cannot believe that this has happened. Like what, you know, but then, you know, you see the, the memes or, you know, and I talk to other friends, they're like, oh yeah, drink a bottle of wine, you know, like, you, you know, so there's it. that, yeah, so there's that validation, right? So that validation of, I'm not that bad, I'm being ridiculous, this isn't that big of a deal, but really in the back of my head, like I knew. I had, um, I was on a work trip and I downloaded like an NPR podcast or something. And there was this girl on, her name is Annie Grace. And she wrote this book called This Naked Mind. And it's like a very, sci- what? This Naked Mind. This Naked Mind. And she um, like told her story in the book, but it's all scientific about alcohol and about like, if you want to control your drinking, like if you want to moderate or, you know, or, or whatever, like it's a, and I was like, huh. So I, the plane landed, I downloaded the book, I devoured it on audible. And so that was like, that was the beginning of my like realization. What year was this? You said that you had your first (laughs) realization in 2016, August when my mom got diagnosed. And then I think it was either at the end of 16, beginning of 17. So you continued on with the bottle and night type situation, Uh, even when you had that aha moment. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Because I didn't know what to do about it. Yeah. I had no idea. Because I, like, I knew, you You know. know, Like, how can I get more comfortable with my new normal? Right. Well, so what happened after then is I started, like, making all these rules for myself. Like, I'm only going to drink on the weekends. Or I'm only going to drink beer. Or, you know, just all these rules that we make for ourselves. And, and, and I've heard, I've talked to so many people and they're like, yeah, these exa- I've had these rules. Or, um, you know, just, just all these rules and they don't work. Or I'm just going to have one glass. I cannot have one glass of wine. That is not, that is not ever something that I will ever be able to do. One glass is too many and a thousand is never enough for me. I will never be able to have one glass of wine. And I have a a friend of mine, a girl that I'll work with who is amazing. She's like that. She can have one glass and like, okay, I'm done. Or like have like one glass on the weekend and that's it. Like, how do you do that? I don't, because I was never like that. I don't understand that. That is, that's not me. Um, so, so at this point I'm starting to like be very, aware of how much I was drinking and I started like realizing like some stuff that was happening and I am a I'm a blackout drinker and I was blacking out pretty much every every night and it was weird every night Monday Tuesday Wednesday Thursday at home normal night yep every night and sometimes it would happen after and so let me explain what a Everyone knows probably what a blackout is, but let me just explain for those of you that maybe don't are lucky enough because I do know people or you who just drink hear the who word don't and ever like, blackout. Oh yeah, we blackout all the time. But tell it, me like what? It's like all of a sudden I'm in this play, I'm on stage, and I'm acting in it, and then the curtain drops, and that's it. I'm still like functional, and I'm still moving around and doing stuff. And like my husband had no idea; he never knew I was in a blackout. You you mentioned this last night when we were at dinner. You were doing your skincare routine, yes. and brushing your teeth yes. and making lunches blacked out. Yes, I would wake up in the morning. My jewelry would be where it was supposed to be. I would have washed my face, brushed my teeth, 
um, my phone would be tar, you know, tar, everything. I'm in my, like everything waking up. I'd wake up at three o'clock in the morning. I'm like, how the hell did I do that? Like, I don't understand. I, I still, still to this day. So I was blacking out every, every night and I don't remember. I, there's that's a, a bottle plus a night. Mm-hmm. Um, and the guy at the wine store just thought that we were like really popular in our neighborhood because I was, <laughs> I, was gonna ask I didn't that. drink shitty wine. I drank nice wine. You do? Like, mm-hmm. I drink really nice wine. Yeah. I would go to the wine store, not Total Wine, but the wine store. I don't know if you yeah. know that place. That place was so great. And I bought a case every Friday, but I was still having to go to the grocery store. A case is six? No. A case is 12. Yeah. Okay. Now, now Elliot would have a little bit, but he had no idea how much I was drinking. Like he just didn't Either count. Way. He wasn't a battle counter or whatever, you know, but I was still having to go to the grocery store at the end of the week to get me through the rest of the week. That's a shit ton of wine. It's also a lot of money. <laughs> it's a lot of wine. That's a lot of wine. Yeah. Uh, to me, that's a lot of wine. To you, that's a lot of wine. 12 bottles, you drinking the majority of it. That's still, you know, 10, 11, tw- maybe. It's a lot. Yeah. That's <laughs> it's a lot. A lot. Wine. So, I, so I was like having all, you know, so, so blackouts. So, I, you know, I would on the weekends, several times on the weekends, it's, it would happen a lot. I would be putting the kids to bed or something and I would like lay down with them while they were going to sleep and I'd wake up at three o'clock in the morning and I'd like passed out in their bed mm-hmm. and, you know, wake up loathing myself for, mm-hmm. for doing that. Just, mm-hmm. I, I held a ton of guilt, ton of guilt, ton of shame. Mm-hmm. Um, I would wake up every morning. There's something, I don't quite know how to explain it scientifically, but Annie Grace does a really great job of it. But the alcohol like leaves your body like in a rush, like several hours after you're done drinking. And that's why you wake up like at three o'clock, two o'clock in the morning or whatever. Huh. And, um, I would just beat myself up. Like, I cannot believe I did this again. Like this has happened again. And I would get up, I'd go to the bathroom and like, it's still like it was, and it was every morning. It was every morning. And I just played this mental Kung Fu in my head. Mm -hmm. I was, would talk to myself. Like I would never talk to my worst enemy you are awful. You're a terrible person. You're a horrible mother. I can't believe you're doing this to your kids. Can't believe you're doing this to your husband. You don't deserve a husband who loves you like this. You don't deserve like, I couldn't even look at myself in the mirror. Mm -hmm. I put my makeup on without looking in the mirror. You said last night something that I don't think people are even recognizing. A lot of times when people are hungover, they are lethargic and they are not showing up as their best they're not really like doing their work you are showing up every day and working out hard mm-hmm. working out every morning hard doing everything that you needed to do quote unquote well, I was proving trying to prove to myself or trying to prove to everyone else that not even proving because no one even knew there was an issue just kind of keeping up that persona mm-hmm. still nobody but, knew. but no one knew no one knew that I could not even look at myself in the mirror. Mm-hmm. I hated looking at myself in the mirror. It was awful. Um, 
so just, you know, it just kept going. And I just, so I, I would, I would think I would stop and then maybe start again and, um, stop for how long? <laughs> maybe a few days. Yeah. Like two or three days. And I, and I, at that point I wasn't to the point where I need to quit drinking completely. Like I wasn't, you were like, let me do this to prove that I can, and then I'll get back to it. Yeah. I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. I just knew that, like, I, I knew that there was something there. But, again, the shame was keeping me there. The I'm the only person. And, again, I was kind of like, God, put your big girl panties on and just deal with it. Like, you don't, like, You this have is, this great life. It's yeah, fine. Yeah. Just get over it. So, if this were a book, this would be the part where, you know, there's like asterisks that go across the chapter where you know something's about to happen. So this is the... It's a really amazing way to put that transition. <laughs> Thank you for bringing that to the world. I, I love that part in a book. I'm like, oh shit, what's about to happen? You're like hard pivot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so this is the beginning of the end. Um, so Anne, your mom, passed away. And again, this is at the height. I mean, this is like this is October 2017. So it's been a f a year since you had your aha moment. Yeah, over a year. Yeah. And again, keep in mind, I just been I've been I'm running all these races. I'm running 30 miles a week, at least. Doing really well, by the way. I was doing like a 7:30 mile, which I don't know to. Mm to Alexa is like pff, whatever that's yeah, slow. To my sister who's like does that <laughs> while she's pregnant and on the phone <laughs> yeah right <laughs> she's like five minute mile whatever I know um you know for a 40 year old girl that was pretty good so so Anne passed away and and like we said last night death doesn't bring out the best in anyone so your mom we had our funeral and it was a beautiful service. And we go to have her party, her celebration of life. And we get to the restaurant. And it's like, what, one o'clock or so? Mm -hmm. and beautiful day. Just like gorgeous day. Yeah, it was nice. It was really nice. And um, tons of people there. And I've subsequently realized that I, I, I don't do well in crowds where I don't know that many people. I'm highly ridden with anxiety. And again, anxiety, the whole thing, like calling that to the forefront, I felt was weak. I felt people who had anxiety were weak, even though I was riddled with anxiety and had never I put really a name to thought it. that you were just a perfectionist and almost hyperactive. I was like, she's just always busy. She's always doing things. Everything always looks nice. So to an outsider, it didn't look like anxiety because you were, you had so many outlets for it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and, and I had to. So, so we go to, and, and I had already had a pep talk, like, like before I would go out at night or like go to a party or, or, or whatever, I would have these pep talks with myself of, I, uh, you know, I'm going to have, and I don't know if I've already said this or not. I've said it a million no, times. You said it last night, but you haven't said <laughs> okay. it here. So I would have, I would say like, okay, you're not going to drink too much. You're not going to, you're not going to get drunk. Like you're going to have one glass of wine and then a glass of water and then, you know, a beer or whatever. Because, of course, beer is not the problem. <laughs> right. Beer's like non-alcoholic, apparently. <laughs> Clearly. Um, so, so I had the pep talk with myself, which didn't work. Um, I started drinking Prosecco. Like, oh, it's not wine. It's Prosecco. 
This one doesn't count because everyone's having it. This one doesn't count. Yeah. And everybody was drinking, right? Now, was I the only drunk person there? Probably not. But so I drank (laughs) Prosecco, several glasses of Prosecco. And then I think I switched to red wine. And, you know, here's my husband who just lost his sister who was he was so close with. God, he idolized your mom. Mm -hmm. And he was still trying to process, you know, all of the feelings. And he needed me. You know, he needed me there with him to help him to be his support. And I blacked out at that reception. I don't remember leaving. I don't remember going over to my in-law's house and being completely wasted there. And so here he is having to take care of his wife on his sister's funeral. Like, who does that? Like, that is just, yeah. and, and I said this last night, I, I've forgiven myself for pretty much everything, but that is the one thing that I have not forgiven myself for. So we leave um, my in-laws and we go home and he's really upset and somehow I'll wake up out of the blackout. So at that point, I guess it's called like a brownout. I wake up and we get in a really big fight and you know, the next morning, of course, I was, I felt. The anxiety is at a, it, you can't, oh, ima- you it can't was, even. It was really bad. And at that point, I'm like, holy shit, I, this is, this is ridiculous. And if the tables were turned, I, I mean, I haven't forgiven myself. He is 100% forgiven me. Like he tells me all the time, like, you know, you're human like that. It was just really shitty. Mm-hmm. It was really shitty. It's a, it's a dirty feeling and it's I agree I've had there have been shameful moments in my life where I feel like uh, I'm under a magnifying glass but nobody else sees it that way but it's crippling yeah and and it's never it's never ceasing no matter what else you're thinking about how good your day is it's always in the back of your mind yeah yeah it it was really it was it was bad and I felt really I, I felt it was bad um so here starts my, I'm like, okay, this is right when Whole30 was coming out. I'm going to do a Whole30. 30 days. And really, I ate Whole30 anyways, but it was the alcohol piece. I, have to, I had to have like that structure. Yes. Of not drinking. So I did the Whole30, stopped drinking like bam, you know, I felt so good getting the alcohol out of my system. Um, I mean, I didn't go through withdrawals or anything like that. I don't know how, but I just didn't. Um, that is really surprising to me, but also whatever. I have no idea. Uh, that's amazing. I just didn't. Um, and like on the day 30, like it was Thanksgiving and I was doing a Thanksgiving race and everybody was coming over to my house for Thanksgiving dinner. And of course, everything had to be perfect. and I had to cook everything and, you know, anxiety of that, anxiety of everybody coming over. The last time everybody saw each other was at your mom's funeral and just I'm riddled idea. with anxiety about that. So I run the race, I kick ass at the race. Um, I had a really good time. It was, it was like a four mile turkey trot. And I think I did it in like 30... I don't know, like 35, 34, like it did really well. So after the race, Elliot was like way behind me and I'm done. And again, I'm a runner. 
One of those families that does 5Ks on holidays. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're done and my heart starts, I'm thinking about everything and I'm like, it's 30 days. Like, am I going to drink? Am I going to drink? I don't know. Do, should I drink? And I'm, that's what I'm thinking the whole race and that everyone's coming over and, you know, and my heart starts racing and my breathing starts to get really shallow and my chest starts to like, like get really heavy and I'm like, oh my God, I'm having a heart attack. Oh, and I start flipping out internally. No one knew. And I'm like walking around, like trying to breathe. And, and Elliot finishes and I'm like, something's wrong. Something's wrong. I could, I could only take like really shallow breaths. Mm -hmm. And so he called and I'm like, I'm really scared. I thought I was having a heart attack. I was having a panic attack. Mm -hmm. I didn't know it. It was scary. First panic attack, first and only panic attack, like true panic attack that I've ever had. So the medic, it's you were also in a huge crowd. Yeah. Well, uh, right at a. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, I was in a crowd all the time with running people, but it was the fact that it was like day thirty of the whole thirty. I could drink it, like you know, quote unquote, could drink again because I was done. Plus, the whole family was coming over, and so like I had to think about the panic attack. and like, okay, why did I have it? Um, I, I did end up drinking, but I had like a half a glass of wine, I think. Wow. That's huge. Well, because I was scared. Yeah. I didn't, I knew, so, so I did. But I mean, the, by the next week, I was off to the races again. I was drinking again. So in the next couple, so that's like, to what, into t- 2017, so 2018, it's just a series of me starting to listen to podcasts. Um, one of my favorites, so Annie Grace has a podcast called This Naked Mind. Um, uh, Happy Hour um, is a great podcast as well. So I'm listening to people's stories and I'm hearing myself in their stories. And I'm like, oh my God, I am not the only one. There are people out there exactly like me. And so when I was running, so I'd run and I'd listen to these podcasts and just hearing the stories and hearing the stories really just kind of set me on this path of, okay, I'm like sober curious at this point. Like, do I want to completely stop drinking or am I going to, you know, moderate? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Which again, moderation is just, ugh, you, you if you have a drinking problem, you cannot moderate. It's tough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, so 2018, it's it just a series of starting and stopping. I'm just having, you know, three week, four weeks sober months, you know, weeks or whatever, and then starting again. And then I would like come back fast and furious. Like yeah. the day I would start drinking again. Um, you know, it would just be, I was back to two bottles. Did you notice why, why there would be a certain time where you're like, oh, it's been three weeks. I, what was the thought transitioning you from feeling so clear and good? Were you thinking, oh, now that I haven't been drinking for three or four weeks, I'll be able to have just a couple glasses. Was that your thought process? What was your thought process? There would be like a special occasion usually. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, there'd be some kind of special occasion, and I'd be like, oh, I could just have one. And it's a slippery slope, man. Mm-hmm. It's very slippery. Were you still giving yourself pep talks at that time when you would go out if it was a special occasion? Yeah. If you had, okay. Yeah. So, so really what would happen is that I would 100% c- control myself, 
But then I would come home so I could drink. I'd want to leave early so I could drink the way that I wanted to drink because I didn't want anybody to see me. And that's what was really happening at the end. Yeah. Is that, I mean, I would go out with with friends or whatever and they, they would have one glass of wine and I would had I would have three yeah. and I would see okay you're not drinking <laughs> the way that I want to drink yeah so we're gonna end this night and I'm gonna go home so I can drink the way that I want to drink got it um and so so again stop start stop start started reading some quitlet so quitlet is just you know literature that helps you quit like oh. drinking memoirs yeah um, those have been extremely helpful. The, my most favorite one is um, Sarah Heppala Blackout. Mm. Um, you guys, I'm going to link all of these in the show notes too. I'll get oh, them from yeah, Perry I have a ton of books. Yeah, I'm we'll a, get podcasts and books because some people are book people. You can get them all on Audible. So those yeah. would be really helpful. Yeah. So, um, so now we're like to 2019. Um, October, I go to D.C. for a work trip. Ugh. we had an awards banquet and we were at the awards banquet. I'd already had probably a bottle of wine. I'm with my manager mm-hmm. and um, I wanted to drink more. So I, you know, I, I went upstairs to the concierge, sweet talked them into giving me a bottle of wine and like a whole loaf of French loaf of bread and like cheese mm. and sit in my hotel room and drank the way I want to drink. And the next morning we had to get up at like 5 a.m. to get our plane. And I was so hung over on the subway, like just going to the airport. And I was so, I'm like, oh, oh my God, like this keeps happening. This is like Groundhog Day. This is happening over and over and over. And I've got to get off of this Ferris wheel of the care, whatever. Yeah. It just, it was like every day and I was hating myself. Every time it happened, I hated myself more and more. And I hadn't talked to Elliot about, I still was not talking about it. I was just in my head, you know, listening to the podcast and trying to read the literature. And um, so then I quit again. I think when Alexa's wedding party happened, I wasn't drinking at that point. So it was just a whole series of stop, start, stop, start. Because I would always remember you would come to these events, and I would only get to see you maybe two or three times per year, maybe on a good year. And I remember during all these times, of course, we wouldn't get to be able to talk the way we are right now, but you would always, I would just think that you were trying a new diet, or you were just training for all these races, and you would be really restrictive. And I always thought, perception-wise, I just thought, wow, she has so much self-control I mean, I would talk to you probably smelling like booze, and I'm sure that was challenging. But at the same time, I would just think of it as you were doing it to get, like, a competitive edge. Or you were like, I, I genuinely thought you were just disinterested in it. I'd never looked at you and said, I know she really wants to have a drink right now. I'm really proud of her. You know, I never thought about yeah. that. And I wish that I had. But, again, I guess nobody knew. No. Nobody knew. And you, and you don't. And so we, I, I, it made me, th- it makes me think now back to so many different events that I've been to where people, even myself, I've, you know, more so on an eating spectrum, not a drinking spectrum, mm-hmm. but doing things really intensely to cover something else up, a control thing. I would do it for four or five days, maybe a week or two. And I'd like, wow, I made a little bit of progress. I can do this. I'm going to go back to the way I was because I know that if I really need to, I can stop. You know? Yes. You know? Yes. 
But yeah, so I guess it was at Alexa's. So you weren't really drinking. No. Or you weren't drinking. No. So I would do like dry July and dry January and sober September. And yeah, just like anything just to like, okay, I'm just going to stop. And it was, you know, and, and at that point, so was that my 40th? Yeah. So on my 40th birthday, um, the day before my 40th birthday, I had, I was, I, I drank a lot and I think we had gone out to dinner and, uh, I don't know what happened, but, um, on my 40th birthday, I woke up and I was hungover and I'm like, all right, this is it. I'm done. I'm done drinking. And I remember specifically being on a run and listening to a podcast about drinking and be like, okay, this is it. This feels good. Like, yeah, yeah, I'm done. Like done. This is it. Powerful moment. Two days later, I was drinking again. Yeah. So it was, and I'm like, what is wrong with me? Why can all these other people quit? And I can't like, I'm so weak. I'm like, I just, you know, again, beating myself up and just being so mad at myself, thinking that there was literally something, there's something wrong with me. No one else was like me. There's something, there's something there. Why, why can't I stop? And Eliza, it was like, if I didn't want to drink, I'm like, all right, I'm not drinking. I'm not drinking. And I'd come, you know, downstairs at the end of the day, what, you know, bad day, just want to numb out, just want to forget everything. And it was like, there was this force of my hand, like, Mm -hmm. like literally like a magnet, like pulling my hand to the cabinet to get a wine glass and me going, no, no, no. But my hand is still reaching, getting the glass, putting it down. And I'm like, no, no, no. Picking up the wine. No, Like there's something on your shoulder that's saying, I had a, there was like a force in my hand. I mean, it was like making me do it and I did not want to drink, but there was a force behind me that was making me drink. I don't know. I can't explain it. It was just. That's fascinating. I've never heard that before. I could not, I could not stop. I could not stop. Um, December, 2019, we went to Hawaii for a work trip and I, I was miserable. I mean, I'm in Hawaii in December. Like all expenses paid. All expenses paid. I didn't have to do anything. Super nice hotels and people. Yes. And, but I usually stayed with a lot of the wives, but this trip I didn't. I went to a pool to be by myself because I didn't want to be around anyone because I was so miserable. I didn't even want to be around myself. Like, have you ever felt like that where you just, you're just so, yeah. And I, the irony is, is that I'm listening to, I'm listening to my favorite podcast, the, the happier hour, and I'm drinking Mai Tais with double shots at the pool while I'm listening to this podcast and, and I'm miserable and I'm in Hawaii. I'm like, oh my God, like this is just, it's just awful. I was just, and, and Elliot had no idea no one had any idea you look at me I see pictures and everything and I remember seeing pictures and being like god she's so sun-kissed and the sunsets and I remember I just thought how lucky they always get to go on this trip and it had nothing to do about the trip nothing to do with the trip no you could have been anywhere in the world I was miserable oh god it was so bad and on the last day we were there um, this, the sales training was over. And so a lot of people, we went down to this rock to go jump off this rock, like this cliff. I didn't do it, but, um, 
they had beer and I pounded like five or six beers I hadn't eaten. And then we went up to this little tiki bar and got a, a Mai Tai. And of course I got a double shot and then I got a shot beside it. Like I did a shot and then did it. Um, and, and the curtain goes blank. Mm-hmm. Um, we go back to our hotel and then but fully functioning. You're still participating yes. in these events. No one still- knew. No one knew how that I was just completely hammered. And um, <laughs> we were supposed to go to dinner that night with our friends from Norway. And because I hadn't seen them all week because I'd been hiding. <laughs> and um, I woke up. I was in the hotel room seven o'clock at night. Eight o'clock, whatever, and I, I did, for, well, first of all, I was scared. I didn't know where it was, and I came to. I realized that okay, I made it back to the hotel. Let me look and survey, like make sure everything's here. Like my phone was there, my wallet was like there. The my, things you do in after a crazy night out, yeah. When you don't remember anything. You're like, shit, where's my phone? Yeah, you know. Yeah, but seven o'clock at night, and so I texted Elliot. I'm like, where are you? He's like, um, I'm at dinner. So I get up, look at myself in the mirror. Of course, I look like crap. Like just, and I'm like, oh my God, I could not believe this has happened again, again. So I go downstairs, get a shower, go downstairs to the bar. I think I get a glass of wine. I can't remember. But I'm like, this, this has just got to stop. Like this just has to stop. So I wait, just, you continue to drink after that? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. But at this point, I'm just like, I'm miserable. I'm depressed. I hate myself. January comes and I'm like, all right, I'm going to do a dry January. And it was a quote unquote dry January, but it really wasn't. I stopped drinking for like two weeks and Elliot didn't know he was gone. I was drinking while he was gone. And I'm like, okay, I'm, maybe I just need to see a therapist. Maybe I just need to get a therapist. And so I got a therapist, and I'd only seen her one time. And I was still, like, January, I was just miserable. I was just a miserable person. I, I was so unhappy. with, And it was, it was all alcohol. And I have these beautiful children and this awesome husband and a great job and and everything and I'm like I cannot I cannot go on living like this and I did not see how bad the alcohol I mean I knew it was bad but I did not I did not see a way out I tried to stop I couldn't stop and I didn't see a way out Mm And, um, I, I just, I, I could not go on living. I, I just couldn't. Um, and Elliot had like, he has Ambien that he takes sometimes when he can't, I hate Ambien. I don't take it. It's intense. And he had just gotten it filled. And I'm like, I, I had visions of me like, running my car off a bridge on 45 or going the wrong way on in traffic. I just, I did not want to be here. I, I wanted to die. 
I did, I did not want to die. I just couldn't go on living. I just couldn't. And like I thought about, I could just take the whole bottle of Ambien with a bottle of wine and just be done. And just because I'm just, I can't, I can't do it anymore. And the only reason, like I never like took the medicine out and like did it. It was just like, okay, if I'm going to do it, this is how I'm going to do it. Cause it'll be, yeah. you know, and the only reason why I'm here right now is because of my kids. Yeah. What was you, when you were having that thought, was that one night that you had no. that thought about the ambient? No, it was it was it was a lot. There was several times, mm-hmm. and I just I can't even tell you how miserable I. I mean, I would just and thank God for my kids. I mean, I just I, I couldn't leave them without a mother. Like yeah. they have to have a mother, even if it's a even if it's a shitty ass mother who can't stop drinking, they have to have a mother. And I, it was just. So January was finished. It was Super Bowl weekend. Friday night we go out to dinner. I'm like, oh, I'm off my my dry January. Now I could drink in front of people. Yeah. Right. Or while you're having all these. Yeah. And we went out to dinner. I had my, you know, bottle or two of wine on Friday night. And then I get it, did it again on Saturday night. And then on Sunday, we went to a Super Bowl party and drank again. Mm-hmm. And it's like weekend. It's like day after, you know, three days. Mm-hmm. And I woke up on Monday morning and the Monday morning and I had a therapy appointment for the second time with my therapist. And when I woke up that morning, that was when the ambient thought like really hit me. I'm like... I, this I can't do this you were like I was that that is what that is a suicidal thought and that is that is what therapists hear and that's what friends hear family hear and know that that is a rock bottom you may have thought that rock bottom was mom's funeral or a physical event but rock bottom it's thoughts you know yeah it's thoughts and you how did you so obviously the kids but sorry go back to the story with the therapist keep going well sorry. no so that's your probably question is like how did you not do it yeah I well, wanted I, I wanted to go to my therapist first you didn't want to die, I wasn't said. I wasn't going to do it yeah I wanted to do it, but I wasn't going to do it. I could not leave my children. Mm-hmm. I went to my therapist, and I told her everything because I hadn't been completely honest with her either. That's which, very common. Yeah. That people, unfortunately, that people aren't even honest with their therapist because they're scared to be honest with themselves. Right. And, well, and that was the thing. And it was, again, back to the shame of, of it all. And I'm like, you know what? If I'm going to get better, I just have to be completely honest. And I told her, I want to stop drinking. I want to I be done, like completely. And she was like, okay. 
she was, I think she was scared. Like she wanted to like have me go away. And I'm like, no, I'm not going to. And I had to reassure her. I knew I wasn't going to do anything. I don't know. If it, it, I don't know. I'm not even going to go there. So that was February 3rd, 2020, right before the shit hit the fan <laughs> with COVID. Um, yeah. So that was my last drink. So that day you had therapy, that was the weekend before was your last time drinking? The, the Sunday, Super Bowl Sunday. Okay. Yeah. Let's, I want to come back to that, but I also want to make sure we have a real conversation about going even back to mommy wine culture and this concept of rewarding with alcohol. Some people can handle it. Some people shouldn't shouldn't be in this position to handle it at that point or you know I, I don't have any room to speak because yeah I do feel aware that I can't I, I do want to be mindful that I can have one glass of wine did it last yeah. night and I felt great about it and but I do I thought about it I was like I really had to you know I order ice so I can put it in my wine so it stretches it out it lasts yeah. longer so I have these little mental pep talks with myself but there's no Again, the spectrum is so deep. Yeah. So I want to talk about moms that are going through this right now. There has been a massive shift in every client that I come that comes to me, not just that has kids, but that looks like they have their shit together, drinks four to five times per week. And that's normal. It's either wine or excuse me, a cocktail at the end of the night and it's getting worse. Yeah. And COVID hasn't helped anything. As a matter of fact, it's definitely made it worse. It's made it worse. It's, um, you know, we have these statistics that, um, alcohol consumption has increased 17% for women over one year ago and 41% increase over a year ago in heavy drinking for women. 41%. 41%. That's 41%. four. That's four drinks, which is a glass of wine, which is five which ounces, is a bottle of wine. which oh, is fi- okay. a five ounce pour. Yeah. I, my glasses were not a five ounce pour. That's a That's, you can get six glasses in that. So 41% increase in heavy drinking in women over a year ago. And young women are driving the trend in liver disease, which is just. That's ooh, never uh, been the case. And it's. It, I'm sorry. I'm. I don't actually know that that's never been the case, but it's never been the norm. Right. That not just from a, a mental standpoint, but from a physical standpoint, that women are having fatty liver problems and having liver f- yeah. failure, probably. Yeah. So in the past year, so we are at home. We're homeschooling our kids. We have our kids at home. Well, the kids have gone back to school, but for a whole year, they were there. Some kids are not back in school, you know? Right, right. And and it's and it's hard because I'm trying to work a full-time job and have the kids there. I, you know, I don't know. I'm not even going to, I'm not even going to speculate on where I would be if I wouldn't have gotten sober before COVID. Um, but, but I did. But so I'll just finish up like my dirty yes, story. Yes. So so what I found from going to therapy is like just kind of going back to childhood and kind of really being um so so drinking is a symptom. 
Drinking is not just, oh, I drink. Drinking is a symptom of something. If it's, you know, trauma, little T, big T, if it's something, drinking is a symptom of something. Um, and what the key for me was finding out why I drank the way that I drank and understanding that and having room and, and also validation that I am not the only one. Mm-hmm. What kept me there for so long was that I felt like I was alone on an island and that every, every other person could drink, but they were waking up happy and sunshiny and, you know, but they're not. And, and I felt like, you know, like you saw me, like, you don't think I have a problem. You had no idea that, you know, the mental anguish that was going on in my head. But so, so what happens is moms use the wine as a crutch to deal with the stress of hardships with motherhood. And I get it. It, I mean, it numbs you out. It numbs your brain. It makes you just, I mean, even when we were checking in yesterday, there was, um, there were these two ladies that were checking in and they were so upset. Their kids were driving their crazy and they're like, oh my God, we just need a drink. She's like a drink. I need a whole bottle. And the kids are, and I'm like, yeah, like, and they're egging each other and on. It's very normal. It's yes. so normal. Yes. And, and it's always a habit. It, they always say, oh, it's just a bad habit. I'm like, is it a bad habit? Well, you know, so I don't know. And we live in a very boozy culture. Yeah, everything is centered around alcohol. There are, there are like playdates, like like kids get together and moms have, you know, wine in their yetis. Oh yeah, you know, at the playground Mm -hmm. or a birthday party, and there's wine, you know, and alcohol for the parent. There are shit. You can go to a yoga, yoga and wine. Mm-hmm. have a race it's a beer it's a beer festival race have a race yeah. and then have your beer like everything is so centered and so it's very easy to fall into that trap I mean like for real alcohol is an addictive substance and over time if you continue to drink it you will become addicted I mean that's just that's what it is and I'm not saying like, I mean, there are 100% like the people I, you know, a girl that I work with is a take it or leave it. And she can just have the one, you know, but once you start going from alcohol, from a social setting to using it as a crutch and using it as a coping mechanism, that's without, where. Without observing that and going inward and trying. Yeah. Yeah. You know. That it's a slippery slope and that's where, and that's where the problem is. But, you know, my biggest point today is that you're not alone. If you feel like, if you're questioning your drinking, you owe it to yourself to take a look at that Mm -hmm. and to question, are you drinking too much? Or, Or, you know what, if you don't like the way that alcohol makes you feel, you don't have to be an alcoholic to stop drinking. Can we touch on that a little bit more? Yeah. You said something huge before we even... Well, I'm sorry. Let me take a step back. Thank you for sharing everything that you've shared. And it's a conversation. You're not some random person. You're not a stranger that I met on Instagram. You're a human being that has been like a loving female figure in my life for the past 16 years. And I love you so much. And the thought that you had to, you were going through these things while balancing a full life 
I don't know how that battlefield was going on in your mind. With, well, now I guess I do know, but I can't imagine the weight that that carried. And it makes so much sense. Hindsight is twenty twenty, And it makes so much sense to remember all the times where you were doing a whole 30, doing a whole, all of these different things. It's very, very eye-opening and really makes me look at myself, look at some people that I know and some people that you and I both know that have, you know, maybe addictive personalities or, or whatever it is, small trauma, little tra- big trauma. I think that you're so right. It doesn't have to be, you, your mother doesn't have to die in order for these things to happen. Yeah. And, and if that does happen, there doesn't always have to be a drinking problem or an eating problem, but it all comes back to emotions and keeping things inside and feeling isolated and feeling like you're alone. And I can guarantee you that a mom or a friend of a mom or a just a girl or a guy hearing this, maybe there's a guy hearing this and he's like, shit, I need to, I want to pay more attention to m- my partner. I want to pay more attention to my wife or I want to make sure that they know that there's a safe space. Um, and you guys remember, we're going to put some resources in the episode, but what, what do you see happening most with COVID staying at home? What is the number one thing that you and your friends who are either moms or just females or I'm sorry, identify as females what are some of those things that you see most happening right now like what are the biggest issues yeah I mean obviously the 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 drinking to cope I mean kids are home all day every day um and I've definitely seen it with some of my friends you know I'm I'm a very good friend of mine um she's been sober for almost a month today. Um, and you know, I'm just trying to be a resource for her and just a sounding board that I didn't have. Uh Um, and you know, I just, I don't know. I'm, I'm, you know, and there's been a meme, like, I don't know which one to go to first Weight Watchers or AA after COVID, (laughs) you know, which is the truth. And I really think that if you are expressing your emotions, then you don't hang on to as much physically like weight gain does come a lot from emotion in a lot of instances. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, I just, there's, yeah. I feel like there are probably a lot of people who went into COVID maybe without an alcohol problem and who are coming out of it a year later, maybe drinking more than they should mm-hmm. and not really knowing what to do with that. And, and, and let me just say that it, it's scary. It's scary to think of, or it was scary. Let me say that. It was scary for me to think about, oh my God, how could I, how can I stop drinking? How could I never drink? How am I ever going to be, have fun anymore? How, like, like uh, it, it was scary. Like how, like this... I'm not going to have a social life. My friends won't yes. want to hang out with me. Yes. I'm going to be judged. People are going to think I'm an alcoholic. Yeah. But you said it before. You don't, you don't have to identify as an alcoholic. You don't have to. I don't think you have to identify with anything in order to stop something that doesn't make you feel good. Yeah. Like right. You said. And I think a lot of people also get stuck in that because because they say, well, 
you know, maybe I drink a little bit too much, but at least I haven't, you know, gotten a DUI or wrecked my car or lost my job or whatever. If you keep telling yourself that, you're just validating. You're just trying to, you're giving yourself excuses and you're validating your, your reason for drinking. But, but yeah, I thought that everything was going to, I thought, you know, you know, we, Ellie and I love to have a glass of wine. Um, well, he would have, how could I travel to Italy? How could I do all these things? Yeah, exactly. And, um, it is like the, being on vacation and, and, and waking up not hung over and being able to go run the bridge and not without a hunk, without a hangover. Like it's amazing. And the, the first time we went on vacation is we went to, um, we went to Florida to see Molly last summer. So I was like five months sober. And by the way, you're 14, you said 14 months without alcohol. Yeah. 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 And I, we were, we were having lunch at like a, a waterside restaurant and they were all drinking, you know, they got drinks. I'm like, God, I wish I could just have a drink. But so this is what I tell myself. I say, okay, would a drink make this situation better? Mm-hmm. And if your answer is yes, how? How is numbing my brain going to make this view better, my company better? Mm-hmm. H- how is it going to, and it, the answer is. Is it going to make me more present? Right. Yeah. And the answer is always no. But then I'll also fast forward that narrative. Yeah. Can I have just one drink? Uh, no. And remember <laughs> Resounding. How yes. And I will fast forward that narrative and I'll fast forward from one drink turns into, you know, eight. And then I wake up in the morning and I'm hungover and I hate myself. Like, mm, nope, not worth it. Yeah. Not worth it at all. And it's just um, the, the spot where I am right now versus where I was 15 months ago, I am a completely different person. I am a better wife. Like our relationship has, my husband and I, has never been stronger. We are so solid. You seem very aligned. You both seem very supportive of each other. And he is so supportive. Like he knows that the, the, like the beer, seeing beer or whatever, that doesn't trigger me, but being in my home and having him drink a glass of red wine, because red wine was my thing. I mean, that was my thing. Seeing it in like a wine glass, I like, I'm a glass person. I loved like the big fish bowl, and like, like a thin gorgeous stem. thin. Yes. Oh, it's so, I mean, listen to me. I mean, I'm like so sucked up with the marketing right now. Like, it's, but it's because it's so romanticized, it's yes. like by, um, oh, on Scandal, Carrie Washington on Scandal would like come and pour that big old glass of red wine. I've so, I've so never seen it. um, yeah, so he, so, so I was like, uh, do you, would you mind just putting it in a different glass? He's like, of course. Can you imagine so, if you hadn't expressed that and then kept it in? No, because it would be triggering every day. Or resent, yeah. So, so he keeps, and he's amazing. He keeps his wine in the garage, in the garage. He keeps the wine in the garage. It's not on the counter where we used to leave it. He puts it in an opaque glass, like an opaque cup, so mm-hmm. I don't have to see it. Um, and... It's awesome. I don't have to see it. Yeah. And, and and he could drink like a beer around me. That doesn't, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Like that, I don't care about the beer, but it's he's just. the communication as well. Yeah. We it, were at dinner last night and we, Elliot and I ordered a glass of wine and I didn't recognize, I didn't realize that the physical appearance of it was also something that would trigger bring something up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, Elliot was so 
thoughtful. He kept his glass of wine yeah. behind the large water pitcher that the restaurant gave us. And I was like, shit, he took the only water pitcher. I was like, there's nowhere else I could. I was like, should I put my glass on the floor? I well, didn't. but you also had white wine. So I that's did. white wine. I could, whatever. White wine doesn't do it for me. But it's just, you know, it, it doesn't have to change other people's lives around you. Right. It can kind of you can live with this. You got this amazing mocktail that looked so good. And yeah. it's, you kind of realize that it's more about the experience. You realize, okay, going out to eat is still fun because I can think about it. Even if we were to all order shots at dinner, yes, it, it that whole th- portion of the night would probably be three minutes. Yeah. And, and then you realize what was that worth? And again, I also want to put this out there because I know this is a very specific episode, but it seeps into every part of your life. If you don't, if you've never struggled with any of this, if you don't have these thoughts or anything like that, it, this is just keep your mind open and because you know someone who does and you just don't know it. Yeah. And, and just keeping, uh, you know, a thoughtful and compassionate heart and not trying to change people, but just giving them a space to be open and non-judgmental. I hear this all the time when people, you know, I know a lot of friends who just say, I really don't want to drink, but I have this dinner. I really don't want to drink, but I have a family in town, all these different things. And it isn't, I think it is a practice. It's something that you really have to flex and, and I think over communicate to people because a lot of times I, I think a lot of people will automatically assume Maybe she's pregnant. Maybe she has a drinking problem. Maybe she's an alcoholic. Maybe she's on an antibiotic about a yeast infection. You know, there's a million different things that could come up. So actually, let's talk about that for a second, about the social life of someone who is not drinking. But you you said that you never identified it as an alcoholic. Yeah. And, And that might be giving people a little bit more of a almost permission slip to not drink because they don't... I don't drink because it doesn't make me feel great. And I'm not, I, I do drink, but I, yeah. Again, I feel like I have a fairly healthy relationship with that and I feel confident with that. But also, shit changes. I have a lot of friends who I think, you know, could yeah. look inward. But, well, when I first, when I first stopped, a lot of people thought, because I didn't tell anybody, like, you know, what was really going on. A lot of people thought I was just doing it for health, you know, yeah. cause I am so healthy Yeah, that I was just not doing it because of that. But then I kind of started telling people like, I just don't like the way it me- makes me feel like it just makes me feel really crappy, yeah. which I mean, that's the truth. Uh, yeah. I, but number one, I don't owe anyone an explanation. Yes. You don't owe your, you don't owe anyone shit, but also the more open you are, the more it allows other yeah. people to be open. So yeah. there's kind of that. So over time, now that I'm 14 months in, I'm starting because I was totally ashamed I mean, I was very ashamed at the beginning, like, oh my, you know, I have this problem, but now where I am now and I realize that there's a lot of people and that me, so just by me talking with a friend of mine about it, she's my neighbor, um, just by me talking about it to her one day and just giving her a little tidbit of information of me not drinking and then she shared something and then I shared just a little bit more and then, and then all of a sudden, you know, she comes out and she's who, you know, she is a month sober. Like I've been helping with her, helping her like not drink. So just sharing little information. But again, I don't owe anyone an explanation. Um, but I've got, like you said, like I, I don't just drink water. I don't drink lemonade. I have a whole, they're not giving you like Coke zero and Sprite. And right. Like- yeah. So I've got like this whole rep- like this whole, 
I don't even know what the adjective. Arsenal. Yeah, yeah. Of, of of drinks that I so so Heineken Zero is just like my go-to. Like boom, pop it. Heineken Zero is so good. So you're still drinking alcohol that tastes like alcohol. Well, it's yeah, it's still drinking. So or I drink. You're drinking a beverage that right. tastes like that. Yeah, no and alcohol. so even sometimes now, like I'll have a really like bad day, or if it's like Saturday on a two o'clock, like two o'clock in the afternoon when we would usually like pop a beer. I'll go get a Heineken Zero and I will pound it. And it makes me feel good. You're like, like I'm like, that. you're good. I'm like, ah, oh, yeah. Like it was just like that release of just, yes, I'm just pounding this. And, you it's know, the, it's the experience. It's, yes. Yeah. And so as long as I have that and like when I was packing to come here, I've got all of my stuff. I'm playing around with making like syrups. Like I make an awesome jalapeno, like a love spicy jalapeno, jalapeno spicy syrup and um, like oleos. And um, there's all kind of NA spirits on the market Not that are, spirits. yeah, that are amazing. And that has really helped a lot. I'm yeah. a part of a group on Facebook called On The Mocks. Um, the girl is from Charlotte. Oh, cool. Yeah. So it's a very resourceful group and we share drinks yeah. on there. But um, people, people hear the word mocktail and they just think, oh, well, I'll just order a cocktail that's on the menu and they'll just not add alcohol. But there's this whole, it almost seems to me or to like a lay person, it would seem like this is the whole underground subculture of people who are doing NA non-alcoholic liquors. It is insane. You guys, I just want to put this out there because I was talking to a bartender at Basic Kitchen last night. In Basic Kitchen, they are known for fantastic cocktails, beetroot margaritas, all these amazing things, and wine. But our bartender, we go, you know that they make non-alcoholic no, I said I said what 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 yeah. about if we had like a tequila that didn't have alcohol in it but tasted exactly like tequila tequila and she was like oh yeah there's there she you goes, can't yeah, do we that we don't have any of that and you go but there is there's she goes, she goes oh you can't do that I'm like yeah there is what there are literally brands out there that have it's it's tequila that tastes like tequila that's not it alcoholic. burns like you put it in your drink and like I'll he'll take a sip of my drink he's like is this this tastes like real tequila, Carrie. I'm like, no, Wild. it's not. The rum, <laughs> if it, the rum tastes like rum. The you know gin tastes like gin. The the snozberries taste like snozberries. <laughs> that would actually be Willy a great Wonka. Name for Willy us. Wonka. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Come so on, we are not that young that we don't know what Willy Wonka. <laughs> <laughs> I had to have throw that reference. That the snozberries taste like snozberries. But it's it, it was crazy though. It's it's still a, such a budding market. I'm so excited yeah. to see where that goes. Yeah. Um, exciting things to come. Exciting. Super exciting um, things to come. Also, um, I would just also like to applaud you and send you some accolades. Carrie won a contest for... Yes. What was it? Seedlip? Seedlip. They, so during COVID last year, they did um, a recipe contest. It was Seedlip at home. and Seedlip it was is a non-alcoholic spirit. Spirit. And it's global. And they had entries from all over the UK, Australia, all over Europe, United States, and mine won. What was it? It was called Jalapeno Rub Up. And it was spicy and it was with my jalapeno syrup. So I felt like, I feel like that, you know, a lot of people think of mocktails. It's just like, oh, it's just juice and just fruity and super sweet. They they said last night, they said, honestly, the goal is just to make it look nice. And I I was like, oh, that makes sense. But it's a crappy goal. Mm -hmm. Um, I agree. (laughs) And also, by the way, the drinks last night at Basic Kitchen, they were, I don't mean to they were good. on that. They were really good. They were really and good. And this girl was an incredible bartender. She was just being real with us about that specific yeah. type of industry. I, go there. It's incredible. 
not shitting on it at all. Still like, my favorite. Yeah. No, 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 not at all. Yeah. It was really good. Um, t- uh, no, I just lost my train of thought. Uh, the rev up. Uh, so, so my whole point in doing your, like well, the, thing. the spicy, yeah. yeah, is that if it's something spicy that feels different than a fruit juice, like you sip it like it's a real mocktail. Like, I mean, you're not going to down a, you know, a vodka tonic or whatever, you know, cause you sit, so you sip it. So it's super spicy. It's amazing. And then we went to fig and got a mocktail last night. She put sriracha in it. Holy cow. Nice. It was amazing. She wrote the recipe down for me. I can't wait. But, um. Yeah, there's a whole underculture in the NA. It's insane how prevalent it is. And there's a lot of names that are like I'm starstruck when I hear names like Holly Whitaker and Laura McGowan and Annie Grace and Jolene Park. Like there's all these names that I, I hear on these podcasts and hear. There's just so much. There's so many resources. A lot of people, I think, feel like, um, you know, how how do I what are the resources? I don't want to go to AA. I, I didn't, I didn't feel like AA was for me. Um, so how, but also that is very necessary. For yes. A lot of people. Right. Absolutely. But if you are someone that doesn't feel like they need to go to AA, there are so many resources online, so much support with the podcast, mm-hmm. with, with Instagram, like I follow, like I have a ton of Instagram people mm-hmm. that I follow. And we're going to attach all of these again. Yeah. Like I said to the show notes. Um, so much support in that in that area. Um, and sometimes, though, it, even if you are getting all that support, sometimes maybe even that's not enough. You know, like right? So be, like like going to a open. therapist, or there yeah. are in a, there are drug and addiction counselors like that specialize. So my therapist is um, is in recovery as well, so that definitely helps. So she can identify with you know where I am, um, you know, and again that's really helped. But the space. The space where I am right now is amazing. I I feel fantastic. I'm sleeping better than I've ever slept. My skin is clear. You look damn good. Girl. Um, like I just. You seem very confident and poised, graceful, but also very empowered. Yes. Yeah. Empowered is a good, a good, a good word. Now, do I ever have days where I'm still anxious and I'm like you know, where I feel like I'm not a good mother. Absolutely. Mm. (laughs) Or, you know, a bad wife. Yeah. But those days are few and far between. I know that every day I'm showing up alcohol free and I am being my best self. I am so self-aware, much more self-aware than I've ever been just from, from all of this and what you call it, like a glow up. (laughs) <laughs> oh my god yeah I guess this is a, this is definitely a glow it's, up yeah. yeah and it's just I don't know I, I I feel almost corny for even saying just uh, I've never been in this spot before and you know it took me 41 years to get to the spot where I am right now and it's just mm-hmm. it's just amazing and I never thought that I could feel like this when I was in the thick of it if someone would tell me, just hang in there, you're going to get there, I would say, bullshit. I'm stuck here. I'm stuck in this pit. I'm never going to get out. I'm you miserable. You went through a roller coaster yeah. for a long time. Like, I just, I never saw, I didn't see a way out. I didn't understand, like, how my way out was going to come. I thought something, again, was very wrong with me. Um, I think it's also, I think it's very almost refreshing, and I know that this is definitely coming from, you know, I grew up 
definitely with privilege and all these different opportunities and I, that I'm very aware of, but I also think that it is a real conversation that needs to be had more in this demographic. You mentioned this earlier, even before we started recording, you think alcoholic and you think that, you know, DUI or they have ruined all their relationships or they have lost their job or something really crazy has happened. But the underlying factor that we're talking about here is that you can have all your shit together and still have these issues and they're very prevalent and they can lead to even through suicidal thoughts and you don't have to look any certain way, have any certain life to be affected negatively by alcohol or by any substance or any type of toxicity, any type of relationship. Um, And I think that to label or, or, you know, obviously there's people grow up in households where they're constantly around substance or they're constantly around alcohol and they don't necessarily, it's a different path. It's a very different path. But I also think that hearing how big of an issue this is for people that look like it's not an issue at all. Yeah. And it's just that gray area and that's what it, it's the gray area drinking. You're not an alcoholic underneath a bridge who's lost their entire life or a teetotaler who doesn't drink. It's the whole gray area that's in between and, you know, using, using the alcohol as a reward or a crutch for self-medication Mm-hmm. And you don't have to be that walking alcoholic or that, you know, it's very high functioning and mm-hmm. you don't have to lose everything to stop drinking. Yeah. You can give yourself permission to stop. And like we were talking about, like people stop eating gluten or dairy because it just makes them feel really crappy. And and you don't have to explain shit to yeah. anybody. Yeah. As long as you're true with yourself. Yeah. The truer you are with yourself, the more people are going to support that. They're going to find that you are your highest self. And if you lose a couple of people along the way who aren't supportive of it or who don't quote unquote buy into it, right. there will be people who think, Oh, she doesn't have a problem. She just drinks a lot it, or, or she just can't handle her alcohol. You know, there's a big difference by not understanding all that you went through the, the thoughts and then being like someone who just says, Oh yeah, they just, you know, they're just bad at drinking. Yeah. You know? So or, oh, she just didn't eat anything. Or, you know, and yeah. there are some situations. And, again, some things are situational, and I don't want this to villainize alcohol in a way that makes it, you know, I think that every person has their own story, but I think that it's oh, it's worth it to look inward and, and see, you yeah. know. Again, if you're questioning it, yeah. like, if you're, look at that. Yeah. L- look at it. Just yeah. don't, you know, look at it. Yeah. Ask just, yourself. Yeah, look at it. Yeah. Be open to it. Um, and again, we're, we have so many resources with this now that, and I hope you, like you said, that this affects one person and someone can take something home. Yeah. Thank you for sharing your story and opening up your mind and your feelings in a way that you haven't done your whole life. And now really your whole life. And then just now you're this brand new person starting a whole new life and your kids see that and they're gonna they're gonna see and be so proud of everything that you have overcome and 
they're gonna that's what they're gonna see and Elliot sees it we all see it and you're just gonna be so elevated and I'm so proud of you thank you and you guys again we'll leave all of Carrie's information she'll be a resource and like we said we're not professionals but we are going to have some professional resources on here if you need any direct resources let us know and we can point you in the right direction we'd love to help in any way that we can even if you just want to talk we are not therapists but you know we know a lot of them and we know some resources um, and we just want to be able to make sure that this is a safe space where people know that there's zero judgment and there's no there's no right or wrong and it's going to look different for everybody and you don't need to rationalize or generalize and you don't if if you just want to have a conversation if that's just the first step then yep you know yeah or if you're not ready to have a conversation listen to someone else have a conversation about it but I love you I love you thank you so much for letting me share this I therapy to me to just talk it out loud Mm -hmm. yeah it's awesome yeah all right you guys will Send some love over to Carrie. Send some love to the podcast. Make sure that you, um, if you are impacted in any single way by the podcast, write a review. If it's anything less than four stars, just text me your feedback. Um, (laughs) Um, Anyways, I will literally do anything for a review. Anything. So you guys rate, subscribe, like, share the podcast. If you think this can affect anyone, if this affected you, share it. Let me know um, what you guys think about it. And we will talk to you next week. Thank you guys so much for tuning into today's podcast. That was such an amazing story. And I'm so happy that we now have this opening for a conversation to talk about these things that we may have never spoken about before. So if this has affected you at all, or if you enjoyed the episode, or if you have any thoughts at all, make sure you go on to iTunes, rate and review the podcast. Make sure you subscribe. And especially moving forward, as we begin to have two episodes per week in the coming weeks, you're not going to want to miss these. I promise you we are going up and out. It's going to be awesome. So make sure you guys do what you can to support the podcast. And I look forward to talking to you all next week.